0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pixels or Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, Steve, joined as always by my co-host, Blue. How's it going, mate? Hello, it's been a while. You Nervously know, waving at a camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but but on time this time like like on yeah on like schedule a while on schedule i like that i like that and boy what a two weeks it's been in gaming hey like so much stuff is going on it's kind of a bit last scary. week was a doozy <laughs> yeah last week was, <laughs> last uh, week
1: was a woo. doozy
0: So yeah, uh, for those who don't know, we do live stream this podcast over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash pixels for breakfast, and then it comes on over to Spotify and all your other pod catching networks. Anyway, Blue, let's just jump in. We're going to start things off pretty nice and light, and that is going to be with the uh, announcement (laughs) that Markiplier is uh, financing, writing, starring in a movie adaptation of the indie horror game Iron Lung. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. this game has been out for a little while now and it kind of has been a bit of a cult hit sort of under the surface. I first heard about it because uh, Patrick Klepek was was talking a lot about it and then um, actually I think BroDuck from our community grabbed it for me during a Steam sale so I haven't played it just yet. But has announced that they're making a film, like, a real film about this. We're currently showing off the teaser trailer, which is kind of neat. Um, It's kind of just shows, like, the transition from the game to the live game action. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a set or if that's CG. Probably yeah, not sure. It looks pretty cool, though. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. Um, so for those who don't know, the game is about a submarine that is uh, submerged as you pilot an ocean of blood on an alien moon, which is super, super cool. Um, yeah, like yeah, I said, like, we're starting off light, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe not uh, on the themes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, one of the stars has been confirmed. It's going to be a uh, fellow YouTuber extraordinaire, Guy. Uh, he's going to be playing the part of voice on speaker number two originally they were slated to play the fish which i guess is the main character as i said i haven't played the game yet so i'm not entirely sure um but yeah apparently they're going to be involved and the creator of the game the main character be john iron lung which is markiplier i guess yeah yeah and then ah yes i see that tweet you're talking about there Also, the uh, creator of the game is heavily involved and is on set during the uh, making of the film, which is always super cool to see. Like, we saw that with, obviously, Druckmann was involved in the HBO series of The Last of Us. Um, Good to see that sort of collaboration also happening here on an indie scale. It wasn't just someone buying (laughs) the IP. Comparing this to, like, The Last of Us is... um... No, what I'm saying is, like, The Last of Us is, like, such a big production, right? Like, Naughty Dog can muscle their yeah. way in. Oh, he's got to be on set. He's got to be involved. This is my my property. Like, yeah, it's good to see that Markiplier wasn't just like, here's some money, and I'm just going to do whatever I want with your IP. So pretty cool to see that they're on this scene. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm keen to see what Markiplier does with it. As, as you said, you're kind of a fan, so you're kind of intrigued to see how this turns out.
1: I absolutely am. I've watched uh, a couple of his, like, They're all comedy bits for the most part. There is, like, a lot of drama in um, some of the stuff he's done. I haven't seen Markiplier in space. But I have watched um, Who Killed Markiplier and and A Date with Markiplier. Stuff like that. And it kind of shows that he has a lot of passion for, like, making this kind of stuff. So, I kind of hope it's not a... Like full feature-length film, if you get what I mean. Like I mm-hmm. think this would be amazing as a like I don't know maybe forty-minute thing, depending on how much plot they have to get through.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just like a, a short,
1: short trailer uh, movie, uh, not how,
0: short movie. However right?
1: long it needs to be, as opposed to like we want to hit a ninety-minute runtime or
0: whatever. Yeah, you know? exactly. I'd much yeah. rather like you know forty to sixty minutes of really good solid stuff than you know hour and a half, two hours of dragging it out to yeah. make it a Hollywood feature or whatever. I can't imagine they would make it two hours or anything because, like, production
1: costs skyrocket every minute you add. Yeah. Um, past a certain point, from what I understand, so
0: <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see like who's actually funding this. Are they just funding it directly out of pocket? Do they have a partner? Um, and then does this set a precedent for more of these indie games getting like short film adaptations? That's unlikely. Um, based on past, so Markiplier has
1: shared some of the numbers like very loosely with his audience when he's like talked about these projects and stuff like that he said that he pays for all of this out of pocket himself mm-hmm. uh, in those previous productions and those numbers ran him up to like I think the first few things that he did was like a 100,000 US dollars which included paying all of his team mm-hmm. um for a like short thing and I think who killed Markiplier was like 300,000 or something like that so and a lot of that was
0: himself yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah gotcha um sticking on with the good vibes right now i'm pretty excited about this one uh citizen sleeper from my former employer uh fellow traveler slash jump over the age uh fantastic rpg it's being adapted into a tabletop rpg which is kind of a weird sentiment because the game basically was a single player tabletop rpg with dice rolls and everything um so easy transition to make i think um but yeah it's a solo game broken down into turns um called cycles just like the video game so it really does sound like it's going to be pretty close to the video game uh, experience um and the cycles of the eye is driven by a tarot deck of cards that represent challenges resources characters and more um and yeah it's kind of just looks super neat and i know that um gareth you know his previous game in other waters which i worked on for a very short time always had a very um keen interest in in these sorts of storytelling devices so it kind of makes sense that he continued to go down this road um and yeah it's just very very cool to see him and a few other people be involved into creating a uh a, a new a new sort of way to interact with this um universe, which I think the the world of Citizen Sleeper like is absolutely amazing. Um one of the best games I've played this year. I played it this year. Um, and I'm actually going to replay it now because the third episode of content came out. So when I first played it, I just stuck to the main line. I knew that there were these like mini episodes that kind of split off. So I'm going to start a new character now that the third one is out and go through that. But I definitely am going to pick up this, uh, standalone RPG. Vibe looks, what
1: is it? The kids say the vibe is immaculate. <laughs> I don't think the, kids the vibe is immaculate. I, I will say that though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's great it looks just the art great. style of this game too just really lends itself to a really nicely printed rpg um experience i think for the tabletop um all right we uh against all odds right i i didn't think that this day would come that we would get dead <laughs> island 2 let alone uh, the news that uh you know Dead Island has sold gangbusters so it's been announced that it's sold one million copies in its first week of release um first three days first three days even and yeah it was pretty crazy so for those who don't know Dead Island 2 was announced about three centuries ago um and moved through like four or five different developers I think the initial announcement was 2014 I want to say um, sure,
1: that sounds right.
0: Yeah, and it only came out After this year. a thoroughly underwhelming Dead Island
1: 1, I would add.
0: Hey, Dead Island 1 is one of the best streaming experiences I've ever had in my life, and you're wrong. You're wrong. That game was great. Like, was it bad? Yes, but it was great. It was such a great cop yeah. game. And I think that's kind of yeah. what the vibe of... Dead Island 2 has become. It's like, yeah, this is kind of mindless. It's kind of stupid. And it's just visceral mm. and fun. And um, as we'll probably get into a little bit later as we talk about Redfall, that's kind of all you need sometimes for a successful game, as the sales yeah. figures here show, right? Um You know the first thing I saw about Dead Island 2? Mm. I don't
1: know if I know this has been making the rounds. It's yeah. that video of the like uh cutscene. Mm-hmm. Where there are three NPCs and then the player character uh-huh. and a gun gets passed around. Uh-huh. They seamlessly and very naturally pass the gun a prop between character models. <laughs> like that is like this ridiculous flex yeah. of like we didn't it's like when it's like in Horizon when like they had the two characters hug. Uh-huh. It's, it's you just don't do that in video games you know like <laughs> uh,
0: yeah.
1: so that alone tells
0: me that like there there's a team that like really care to make this work yeah um, i mean they easily could have just let this die and become vaporware which is what I, I i and many others have definitely thought it was right i can't believe it actually came out
1: yeah we're living in the world where duke Nukem forever isn't shit like that's that's what this is, right? This is yeah, a du- much. Duke of Forever level thing that isn't I mean, just d- underwhelming because it's four generations out of date or whatever. Uh,
0: the marketing beats of this game too were very much in the same world as Duke of Forever in terms of tone, right? So yeah, yeah, um, it's kind of surprising. Um, yeah. They also released a few other stats here um, that uh, since the since the three days after launch. Players racked up over 11 million hours of playtime, 28 million deaths have killed 1.1 billion zombies. 45 million of them were sliced in half with a total of 756 million zombie limbs being detached from their undead owners along the way. Um, always love when developers have these ridiculous stats that mean nothing. Um, just kind of cool. And telemetry is good, right, devs? Yes. Um so, so
1: yeah dead island we've definitely had meetings where we were where people in the team were excited about like adding being able to track all of these stats yeah 100 right that's just a
0: thing that devs like to do
1: and i i get it it's, yeah it's really fun
0: um speaking of something that's not oh, it's kind of fun i guess it's a good thing um super majority of yes. sega of america workers have announced their plan to unionize Uh, which is really, really exciting. Um, Game devs definitely join a union, make it happen. Um, Easier said than done, obviously, uh, depending where you're living also. Uh, But yeah, a super majority of employees at Sega America have announced their plans to unionize with the aim of securing higher base pay, improved benefits, and a number of other goals. And this is in conjunction with the Communications Workers of America Labor Union, Um, They were previously behind the assistance of Activision Blizzard King and ZeniMax Studios uh, to try and unionize there. Um, The statement that the AEGIS, which is the uh, union behind them, has laid out in terms of the goals to achieve, uh, pretty good, pretty basic. (laughs) I was just going to say that uh, I really like when... um
1: People make effort to backronym themselves very well like just <laughs> it, it, it really feels like they, they they like had to like force it a bit but they got there and like ages is
0: yeah. a really good name yeah for it, exactly right and, um so yeah, the, the, the requests that they're making here, are higher base pay for all following industry standards with raises tied to cost of living and inflation, improved stable benefits for all, including healthcare, retirement, remote work opportunities, and more, increased clearly outlined opportunities for advancement. That one I think is incredibly important. Um, balanced workloads and schedules and defined responsibilities for all positions and adequate staffing of departments to end patterns for overwork. Good stuff. Great to see another major uh, player in the space um, yep. take this step. Whether Sega tries to shut it down somehow in the future, maybe they're just letting them have their moment in the sun and then they'll try and quietly sweep it under the rug. That's what Activision would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, and, like, this
1: is... Unionization is very important. Uh, it it takes effort to fight for the things that, like, you know, matter that these kinds of things that like just allow people to live and it takes people setting aside an amount of time to do that and this isn't even calling out the employees it's just like the employees aren't employees the employers it's not um always easy for sega to or any employer to see what the workers need right so the workers need a way for them to advocate themselves Mm -hmm. that's what a union is yeah um in it like a really good week to hear that this is happening for an adjacent industry. The writer's guild is back on strike again. So,
0: Oh, I was actually Um, talking about this with my wife this morning. Like I was reading a story about like a writer from the bear. One of the like upstart shows that captured attention and awards and stuff is currently taking a job in a movie theater to pay his bills. Um, And he's a lead writer on like a multi award winning show. Like shit is crazy. Yep. So, uh, good luck to them. I hope they get
1: everything they ask for in this case. I don't think it sounds unreasonable um, for writers <laughs> yeah. to get paid. <laughs> like, just, yeah, yeah, right? Speaking <laughs> of that, you can head over
0: to ko-fi.com forward slash pixel. <laughs> Um, But yeah, let's keep moving into the business side of things because there's been some movement here in the uh, Microsoft oh, Activision man. Blizzard King uh, deal. Um, and the movement is that the uh, CMA. What does the CMA stand for again? The, the... Compet- Competition and Markets Authority. Competition um, Markets Authority in the UK, specifically has, for the UK. Yeah, has UK. blocked the acquisition. Um, surprisingly, the thing, uh, the reason why they've blocked it is based around cloud gaming concerns, which I didn't think anyone <laughs> saw coming. Um, I'm no, just gonna. But it-
1: makes a huge amount of sense yeah so i think i'll read read just a
0: couple of of uh points here um but basically they said that Microsoft's solution had significant shortcomings and would require regulatory oversight by the cma uh and the panel chair states that cloud gaming needs a free competitive market to drive innovation and choice Uh, so the final decision to prevent the deal comes after microsoft's proposed solution failed to effectively address the concerns in the cloud gaming sector So the issue is the UK see that cloud gaming is a market that's growing incredibly fast. Uh, Monthly active users in the UK more than tripled from the start of 2021 to the end of 2022. It's forecast to be worth up to £11 billion globally by 2026. Um, And Microsoft has a strong position in cloud gaming service, aka they are one of the only major providers. Like, let's put that out there. Who do they think is growing this market? Um Yeah, and they're basically saying the the long and short of it is by buying Activision Blizzard and keeping their games only on the uh, Game Pass X Cloud service, it, you know, drives competition down. Um, So Microsoft submitted a proposal to address some of these concerns. Um, The proposed remedy set out requirements governing what games must be offered by Microsoft to what other platforms and on what conditions over a 10-year period. So basically saying, okay, if you're that concerned, any game... You tell us where it needs to be, we'll make it happen. Um, because they're responsible for that, the CMA, they're like, nah, we don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> I want to point to the last episode we did and, why it, and how strange it was for the deal that Microsoft struck with that... Um, yeah. Mobile phone provider? Now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. makes sense everything microsoft has been doing now i love hindsight like this of
0: just like oh it all makes sense so that's so um, good like the (laughs) basically it's pretty interesting um of what happens next uh so i'm just quickly trying to find the tweet um brett davies i think his name was Yes, Brad Mm -hmm. Smith, rather, from Microsoft Mm -hmm. says, We remain fully committed to the acquisition and will appeal. The CMA's decision rejects a pragmatic path to address competition concerns and discourages technology innovation and investment in the United Kingdom we have already signed contracts to make Activision blizzards popular games available on 150 million more devices. And we remain committed to reinforcing these agreements through regulatory remedies. We're especially disappointed that after lengthy deliberations, this decision appears to reflect a flawed understanding of this market and the way the relevant cloud technology actually works. Like that's a pretty damn statement. Um, and it's, kind of true. It's- ah yes some of that is
1: true i will say that this is one of those times when i feel like a government body has actually done their research into um the like tech field Mm -hmm. so yeah uh, there's Uh, uh, another part of the statement i don't think i can find it like off the cuff like this but like was that A lot of the proposals um, that Microsoft came back with was like, yeah, we'll work like really, really closely with government bodies, blah, 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 um, which is 100% true. They they 100% made that proposal. And then the CMA, the CMA actually has a response to that in their statement already, which is just they weighed the um, benefits of both going forward with this and then working closely with Microsoft and regulating every like step of the way versus um not versus, versus blocking the merger and deciding that the latter case would be you know through whatever metric they use for forecasting this would be the one that um promotes the most like organic growth in in mm-hmm. in the sector i'm i'm fascinated by this outcome i think this is really really cool i think this is one of those cases where and i don't mean as in like oh they got blocked that's cool i mean of the the process at work, uh, mm-hmm. the process being if you want to merge multibillion-dollar multinational companies, you have to get approval from every, like, government that this affects. And it went through in the um, FTA, the free... Yep trade is I, yeah uh, FTC the Free Trade uh, Commission and you know they didn't catch this right but like yeah in the UK they, they found this and I think that's really interesting and there was this huge think of like oh Call of Duty and how much money Call of Duty will pull in and the CMA were just like like Call of Duty's big we don't think that's the that's the problem here because it, it 100% isn't right. Like call of Duty will still be available to anyone who wants to play it. And that revenue stream will be fine. No matter who owns, um, Activision it's, Blizzard King.
0: Yeah. So but. the, the argument here though, right. Um, I, I, yeah. While I agree with you, I think it's great. Like, yes, governments, I'm definitely not yeah. saying that this merge is actually good. I'm not, I think it's good yes. potentially from a, uh, let's reinvigorate Activision's, previous portfolio and turn that into something good like i think there are very good aspects about it but i'm not gonna sit here and be like yeah merging major corps is a great thing and everyone should be like cheering that like i'm definitely not saying that but on the one hand you've got um you've got the uk being like oh yeah it's gonna be 11 billion dollar industry um and you know right now it's x cloud leading the charge in terms of the platform-centric holders that are doing you know stable cloud gaming like playstation just isn't there yet and it's nvidia and if you're taking out the main player is it going to be an 11 billion dollar industry like maybe not quite potentially not in by 2026 when you wipe out one of the biggest providers and the other outside of this is well cool like microsoft could literally just turn around and say cool we're going to do this everywhere but the uk because the uk is the only commission that has said no the uk is not part of the eu anymore so the uk is an incredibly small um you know when compared to the rest of the world and the profits that can be gained right yes yes 100%. um yeah uh, so it, I think it's going to be interesting
1: yeah i think there's a bit of a misnomer there's like this doesn't so the idea is to block microsoft from having a monopoly on cloud gaming
0: mm-hmm.
1: right like that's the idea yeah
0: yeah
1: of of blocking this merger it's like if this goes through they would have too much of a leg up for anyone to be able to healthily compete in the cloud gaming space mm-hmm. i think is what the cma is saying which is likely true uh-huh. it is a very likely true they they would get so much like you would have to use game pass or nothing
0: mm-hmm.
1: um if if this went through for a while at least yeah um yeah so uh, uh, i think mm-hmm. that that assessment is like pretty accurate um and whether or not Microsoft just turns around and goes, yeah, I guess we just don't have Game Pass in the UK. That's completely in there, right?
0: Yeah, um, and, and a viable option for them, I think, is more the scary part. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for UK gamers, right? At the end of the day, it doesn't affect yeah. me. Um, yeah, they just pull everything that's
1: uh, Microsoft and ActiBlizz out of the country, which I don't necessarily think they want to do
0: that's why they're um, going you don't, the I don't crowd, necessarily, to necessarily yeah i don't even yeah. think they would pull it out entirely it's just yeah game pass is not available and you want activision you're buying that full price right they would have to do that by the way this is
1: said right because they're blocking them from the merger uh, as far as uh, yeah, as, yeah, a, yeah right. as a company in the country yeah. which means that Microsoft and Activision post-merger could not everything. exist as that entity in, in the
0: UK anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I would like to read Activision's response, which is yeah, a, a little different tact than uh, Microsoft. Microsoft was just like, we respect you, but fuck you. Um, Activation and yeah, yeah. just like much you, you, you hey, I'm gonna beat Dad. on your door at three in the morning yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah. fucking burn your house down uh, I reckon Bobby Connick maybe wrote this uh, during <laughs> I this I was just gonna say binge, Bobby Connick right?
1: was like in his pajamas being like <laughs> let me leave give me did my a cheeky, money and let did me did a cheeky leave. bump
0: as he's like trying to pack his golden parachute into his bag uh, Lucia May's report contradicts the ambitions of the UK to become an attractive country to build technology businesses we will work aggressively with microsoft to reverse this on appeal the report's conclusions are a disservice to uk citizens who face increasingly dire economic prospects we will reassess our growth plans for the uk global innovators large and small will take note that despite all its rhetoric the uk is clearly closed for business Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby petulant calm down, would be the adjective petulant, yeah, I like that, I think that's that's suitable, um, ah, so yeah. yeah, basically, this could take weeks to appeal, it could take months, it could take years, ah. it's kind of a bit up in the air right now,
1: yeah, I don't know what the u k like <laughs> i don't know, I don't know what any country's like process for this is actually i this is this is big, this is a seventy 80 billion dollar merger being blocked so i mean
0: we, we look at nvidia who were trying to buy arm right and they were they could see the writing on the wall so they just cancelled all ambitions they didn't go down this road so microsoft obviously is ready to to fire um but yeah troubled times for them uh because immediately after that Redfall came out uh the the long-awaited arcane game uh the first uh, major release from bethesda under the microsoft banner i believe that wasn't previously announced um yep. and it's been slammed absolutely slammed um on all platforms uh, as a bad game as a bad immersive sim as a game that isn't worth anything um this was, you know, a long-awaited exclusive that Microsoft desperately needed after a huge dry spell um, since they've been acquiring studios. They haven't had any, like, first-party exclusives for a long time, uh, and this one hasn't panned out for them. This was backed up by uh, figures at the investors' call for Microsoft that you know general revenue for the uh, gaming division is down. Console sales are down by about thirty percent. Like just a lot of bad news from for Microsoft in this period. Uh, so to try and ease that, they have announced that there will be the Xbox Game Showcase and they started being like, look at all this cool stuff we got. Please don't look at the bad stuff. It's all okay. We'll be okay. Head in the sand. Um, So the showcase is going to be happening uh, on uh, the 11th of June. It's going to be on their YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, all that sort of stuff in that sort of E3 that doesn't exist window. Uh, And it'll be focusing heavily on Starfield. So there's going to be a Starfield direct immediately after the showcase show. Um and basically this is the big hope for Microsoft for 2023 and beyond um, which Blue and I, we were talking before, we went live that we're both doubtful that this is going to be the great game that they need it to be and a lot of people are hoping it to be um, I also don't think Microsoft needs a game
1: they have Ooh. X, like they have Game Pass, right? like they have Xbox as a service, not as the console um, Microsoft's never needed to sell Xboxes uh-huh. uh, in, in fact, they would be much more profitable if they just stopped selling Xboxes. because um, I, I think they're a player I think they're a player in the space to, to stay. I don't think you can dislodge them as a ma- major publisher and and a really big mover of games. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter if it doesn't come out under their umbrella, right like as long as money flows through their pipes, then they get some of that back.
0: Yeah, but if they keep that's having my perspective, at least if they keep having downward trends. Though Microsoft yes. will be likely to stop the the money flow through the pipes, right? Um, but yeah, so oh, but that's what gonna... I mean. As long as mm. like people are buying things through their service, I think
1: they're, I think they're fine. Very well, much so, I think they're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think there's, I, I've there's always definitely... the impression that like Microsoft is very healthy behind the scenes it's not like sony where it's like they ride or die on the playstation
0: yeah there's Um, definitely a um a rhetoric around going that oh all of the numbers are bad the company is going to be down and out i don't think that's the case but i do think that just in terms of gaming sentiment they need a win because they aren't yeah really doing anything that they can plant their flag on they've spent a lot of money on these studios um and obviously games take time like they they bought these studios you know some of them only like this year last year you know, like, yep. um, we should start seeing a flow. And I think once that flow starts of regular Microsoft releases, like Microsoft Game Studio releases, as soon as that starts to happen again, that confidence will be regrown. But right now, yeah, it's a turbulent time in games. Um, and Microsoft seems to be caught in that crossfire pretty heavily by a lot of, of fans right now. One
1: of the first things I learned in, like, uni about, like, trends and and, you know like costs and market stuff is that microsoft was very far in the red into the 360 cycle because of investment from the first xbox right Mm. like microsoft was hemorrhaging money for a decade effectively making back what they put in in terms of r&d to get into the space they're not leaving um yeah they obviously um, see the
0: benefit right
1: yeah, they want to be in the space. It's it's so hard to be in gaming that you you're not there at the at the like presence that Microsoft is unless you're like committed. And Microsoft isn't hurting for money, so I don't see a like garage sale of IPs at any point soon where they're like yeah. I you know, I don't see them losing confidence in themselves anytime soon. Like, if this continues if- for another like 5 years maybe,
0: but if if they turn around and like get that. rid of Double Fine, like I'm just gonna be like, I'd be so sad for Tim Shape. <laughs> that doesn't then, make right?
1: any sense though, because Double Fine and Psychonauts too is one of the like one of the higher performers, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. No, um, uh, if anything, I think their big profile things are the problems, where there's too much attention and and too
0: look, much, just cut Halo. Like, no one wants Halo anymore right because no matter what you do with halo everyone's gonna hate it so like just let it die let's just move on from it make something new maybe give it three years yeah Like, like
1: give it time to breathe like give people time away from it let them go back to their reaches and odsts and things that they like uh maybe even give devs time to just prototype something that isn't doesn't have to be rushed out the door to have a new halo for the new generation maybe yeah yeah um, um, there's a lot of things that can be done, but like I don't think the small stuff is the answer because all the small stuff has been performing very well, right? Like all of the sentiment um, like, and stuff like that, The lovingly crafted things. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> okay. I don't.
0: Uh, yeah. Sorry, you're gonna get, you say something.
1: I there was a comment in chat which yeah, I know we don't know. Comment in chat, that's what lot, I was laughing just, at. Yeah. Sell Halo Row to dunk,
0: Bungie. Yes. I don't think Bungie wants Halo. <laughs> yeah, Sony maybe wants Halo. Sony will t- yeah. Hey Sony, we've Sony got a gift know. for you Like let the deal go through. <laughs> we'll give you our our number one franchise, Fire Sailor, right? <laughs> all right so uh staying on with the abk stuff um frustrated call of duty pc players set up a petition and send pizzas to draw attention to their plight Um, i feel this one yeah so basically um i haven't played any of the new seasons of call of duty but apparently since the uh update three was it um Yeah, that's what it says. Yeah, there's been major issues with PC, specifically for people with AMD Vega GPUs or other Vega hardware um, that's causing crashes for both Modern Warfare 2 multiplayer and Warzone 2.0. So since the introduction of Season 3 on April 12, 2023, thousands of players primarily on PC have been able able to launch the game they have paid for. Um, Those players have hundreds of hours of game time and have already clocked. Uh, that has already been clocked since modern warfare 2 launched in october 2022 and upon season three launch they've been unable to play alone uh, at all sorry i can't read today um so yeah they're basically they've been raising support tickets for this and then someone uh just started delivering uh Pizza. They sent a cheese pizza with Help Vega please written on the box to the PC support studio Beanox. Uh the quote was I had a pizza delivered to Beanox with a message on the box saying help Vega please because I just didn't know what else to do. Like, ouch. That Uh, this uh, Yeah. This has
1: like do you remember when um Titanfall was unplayable because of hackers? Yeah. This has like that kind of vibe. Except that in this case it is uh, Patches' fault which feels even worse
0: yeah oh we're just, fixing the uh, game and we're adding new content Ooh, sorry <laughs> that's gonna feel bad it's gonna feel th- this is a thing now i guess um but the games don't work yeah it's a thing yeah <laughs> it's just it's just a thing
1: now i guess guilty gear strive which was fine like a couple of months ago just started experiencing horrible network connectivity issues
0: oh really that's kind it of important for your online uh, online uh, fighting game, right?
1: Yeah. Um, so they they acknowledged that it that this was happening relatively fast, but until now, it's been months. They still haven't implemented a fix yet. I don't think they fully know what's wrong. It might be multiple concurrent things that's going wrong with it.
0: So. Wow, that sounds like a nightmare it sounds like a nightmare
1: for the people <laughs> the devs That is every day must just be oh can we yeah. fix it today you know like so i i imagine that's probably the same thing that's happening over at binox of just we don't know why
0: yeah and like because sometimes let's be you clear don't know why. i do want to acknowledge yes like you paid for a game you want to play it it might be the like a lot of these people this is probably the only game that they play Like, I understand that horrible frustration and the feeling of, like, I just laid out all this money, but also I do feel for the devs of just, like, here's this issue, potentially they can't work it out, or they don't have the resources to do it. Like, I don't think the developers are like, ah, it's only a couple of thousand of players, we're just not going to look into it. Like, I don't think that's No, no dev, No dev wants people to not be able to play their game. The only reason I say I don't think that's happening is they do work for Activision Blizzard, Bobby Kotick. We know... (laughs) (laughs) That is true. Well,
1: okay. No, let's be clear here. The devs don't want this to happen, but whether or not they can convince management
0: to give them the resources to fix it is another story entirely. Exactly. So, you know, I just do want to put that out, that think of the devs before you spit vitriol out there. But I do understand.
1: Yeah, this is not the devs' fault. Because if it's not resolved and they're working on it, uh, they're, you know, not able to do it because it's not an easy thing. Especially when it's, like, a GPU that's rejecting, like, that's just crashing on you.
0: Who knows why that happens? Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe send some more pizzas um, for for support rather than uh, help requests. But blue this is a bit of a weird story and it's in your domain so i'm gonna let you you roll with this one (laughs) Uh, (laughs) all right well so the recent expansion
1: uh uh in magic gathering was magic um march of the machine which was great it was a big story expansion it was fantastic um and it was always planned that there was going to be a mini set, which is not a thing that they tend to do with Magic: Gathering. But there was going to be a mini set called March of the Machine Aftermath, where it was just a couple, of, a couple, a few cars, not as big as a full set, um, kind of explaining what happened after this big Avengers Endgame event, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This, the, like, this set is basically the Avengers Endgame of Magic: Gathering. and right, uh, This happens you. every few years. Which is really cool. Um, As it turns out, someone got shipped a. I want to be clear here: March of the Machine Aftermath, even at time of recording, is not out yet. Um, They got shipped a full sealed box of March of the Machine Aftermath cards. Um, Magic. They got shipped. They didn't steal. They didn't
0: take them off the back of a truck. They didn't
1: raid a warehouse. It is likely a mistake on the uh, distributor side. They ordered March of the Machine... A a box of March of the Machine stuff. The the, the stuff that you're supposed to be able to get. And they got given Aftermath stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Magic the Gathering slash Wizards of the Coast slash Hasbro... Someone took this very, very personally. (laughs) I don't even know if this is an overreaction, to be completely honest. They sent um, the Pinkertons, which is... I didn't know how big of a deal (laughs) this Uh, was. Oh, really? Like, like, yeah. I'd heard of the name before,
0: (laughs) but like... (laughs) Oh, no, I the pinkertons are a long-standing private security firm from like wild west yeah. days they've been around and they're not known for tact or being nice they're known for being like in that gray zone of what's legal and what's not and <laughs> the use of force being very questionable but anyway blue continue with your story they sent the pinkertons to this house wait hey! I don't
1: even know if this is an overreaction because they wouldn't know what went wrong where
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and if this was someone like legitimately trying to mess with because we'll get to even more leaks later on in the thing like companies have a lot to fear in terms of people um, getting leaks out early at this point Turn might be a bit much because as you said they're known for like unwarranted force Mm-hmm. over cardboard. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the Pinkertons were uh, what's dispatched to... Uh, what's the name? Um, Dan, old school MTG, uh, as his U- YouTube name, uh, Dan Cannon. Um, Pinkerton agents were dispatched to his home, uh, his private residence, and... It sounds like they actually had a reasonably amiable resolution to it. Mm-hmm. Upon realizing who the Pinkertons were, uh, they actually offered to let him like call uh, Wizards of the Coast like uh, rep, and they like talked it out, which is really good. That is possibly the best case scenario out of a, a headline like this, where yeah. where the headline is Wizards of the Coast raids YouTuber's house. <laughs> um so it it sounds like they were fine and the article speculates and I fully agree with this speculation that the uh, Witches of the Coast folks may have been like very like uh accommodating because they probably weren't in the right here to use this kind of force if um Dan yeah. Cannon was you know so cooperative um and they apologized uh as in the wizards of the coast folks apologized for going through such drastic means um yeah uh yeah. what what is sequence of events this like happened on a like saturday morning when he was planning to film videos based on the stuff he was accidentally shipped so he has since taken all of that down and he understands the need for embargoes and end street dates and etc etc like all of that's fine um Hopefully, Wizards of the Coast is cool and, like, reimburses him somehow. Because this is he very distressing.
0: It. He paid for the Not only that,
1: but, like, it's very, very distressing to get, like, I assume the Pinktons were armed.
0: Oh, yeah. And they were, They would, is, like, threatened yeah. him with, like, jail time and $200,000 yeah. fines. And his wife was crying. Yeah. Like, that's not how yeah. you want to, like, I'm just over no, here making YouTube is, videos, right? Like... Exactly. Over, and I will say
1: this, cardboard. <laughs> like, yeah. I will even go as far as to say a children's card game. I know a lot of, <laughs> like, I know Magic is, like, primarily an adult, like, targeted yeah, game, yeah, yeah. but, like,
0: eh,
1: they're children at heart, and, um, I mean that as, like, yeah. So, I, I really hope that, um, they work something out here and, like, make him feel less bad about what happened, because, this is rough i don't
0: yeah i don't know it just I don't it, think it, that... it adds to the rhetoric that wizards of the coast are a terrible company and the player bases are correct for all of their properties to hate them <laughs> basically like we had all the the D stuff and all that sort of shit and like they are doing no one any favors um ever basically
1: yeah i will say that the the folks on the floor, and I mean that as in like the people who work with the property, the people who manage the direction of the design, the direction of the narrative, all of that stuff. They're fantastic people, and I'm assuming the person who like got called as the rep to answer the call here was a reasonable human being as well. Obviously, as they didn't escalate anything. Yeah. Um, it's management. The management of Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro as the parent company of just trying to squeeze as much money out of the the ips that they own as possible that's yeah that's not cool that's very very not cool so mm, i'm really really glad that this story didn't go the way
0: i feared it would go when i started reading it yeah yes absolutely right especially like when picotons are involved yeah never know what's gonna happen um so yeah yeah. that's that's the magic the gathering update uh speaking of you know Bad Shady People, Bungie are suing Not Bungie as the Bad Shady
1: People. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, are suing uh, cheat makers for Destiny 2. They've been awarded in another lawsuit win, 12 million US dollars in damages. That's a lot of dollars. Um, That is, they don't have that money dollars. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Bungie filed a lawsuit against a Romanian cheat seller operating under the name Veteran Cheats, Uh, They sued them under copyright infringement violations of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DMCA. There you go. I didn't know that's what the DMCA stood for. Um, And (laughs) the Washington Consumer Protection Act. So they were seeking $11.6 million in damages, which is based on the $2,000 they would make for each sale of veteran cheats across 5,848 downloads. First of all, who is paying $2,000 to cheat at a video game? Like, that is just, that's mind-blowing to me. That is absolutely wild. Um, so, like, yeah, anyway. Um, so, yeah, they have granted that request, said that the studio had uh, sufficiently proven its claim of copyright infringement and breach of contract. Um, so, they've been ordered to pay the full amount, including attorney fees. So, that's twelve, just over $12 million. And that follows two wins recently by Bungie. They won 4.4 million against the cheat seller Aim Junkies in February, and then 13.5. I'm assuming this is million. It just says 13.5 dollars. Surely they got that. Wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) It is 13.5 million. I clicked the link, but wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. It was 13.5 dollars. Yeah. So uh, uh, 13.5 against Elite Boss Tech. Uh, let me check that. Yeah. I'm going to open this up. No, nah, it is 13.5 million, I was going to say. Yeah, 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 it is. I I, yeah. I opened it up to check it. Yeah. <laughs> It'd
1: be so funny, though.
0: And the uh, studio has also filed another lawsuit against Levy Cheats, looking for 6.7 million. This is a trend that we're seeing. Uh, you know, Destiny uh, and Bungie are, like, cracking down on their community. They're cracking down on cheats. Like, they take this property and their community in the game very very seriously the integrity of it yeah yeah exactly um you know i can't think of any other company off the top of my head like that is suing cheating companies that are like suing like people from leaking stuff outside of nintendo yeah. because they are nintendo right? <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's a whole yeah. other world um, you know, and like not it, even Rockstar are going to those sorts of extremes, um, from my memory, at least. So,
1: yeah, a lot of times devs have this opinion of, I guess we just have to patch it out. You know, they don't think about legal recourse. I don't think about
0: legal recourse, but it is there apparently. Yeah. So, so like, it'd be interesting to see where, where does this set the precedent for other developers in this live service space in particular? Like, I think that's probably why they're being so protective is it's a live service, uh, yeah. 100%. game 100% with an in-game economy I, no matter how much I don't you know what kind of precedent they
1: can set this is so expensive though this litigation is it's not something that every company can do I mean yes the the rock stars the nintendos the bungees they can obviously do it but like
0: yeah it's kind of crazy most, most
1: most companies most studios
0: don't but have even crazier that people pay two thousand dollars to chain of destiny like what are you even getting for that like i don't know i, I don't want to get on a <laughs> list so <laughs> i'm not going to google this but like yeah it's kind of <laughs> that like yeah that oh way. man crazy um so speaking of litigation that is uh coming i'm sure uh legend of zelda tears of the kingdom has leaked uh the game has leaked uh you can download it right now if you go on reddit it's very sad this is very sad, is very
1: sad actually
0: a million uh, threads on how to get it running on Yuzu and Ryujinx and download links and already like 60 frames per second patches for PC. Um, that's the big issue here is that the game is available on PC and it's already performing better than the Switch, uh, which is going to hurt sales, yeah. um, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, also, there was a cartridge uh, on Mercury Japan. So Mercury is a... Uh, sorry. Sorry mercury us so mercury is like a um ebay kind of uh, ebay is a bad term it's basically a marketplace where you can put anything up be the brand new or used photos put it online people can buy it i assume it operates the same in the us uh, it is a japanese company but there is mercury uh, usa now um, and a copy of tears of the kingdom official cartridge uh, was up there for about 300 it's since gone down um, but it's kind of indicating that some people have got the cartridges, they've dumped it, that's how these leaks happened, um, and we're sure that Nintendo will be ripping somebody apart for this, if not multiple people. Um, this follows a Nintendo lawyers seeking to force Discord to reveal the identity of leakers who shared images from the game. Uh, Discord refused, so good on Discord for that. But um, yeah, Nintendo are definitely going to want someone to hang for this, um, and yeah. So if you want to play the game right now, you can. You shouldn't. You should support the developers, even though Nintendo have a lot of money. You Should still support them for their hard work. But yeah, it's out there. Yeah, I I just like leaks because it's
1: such a. There is so much that goes into the delivery and experience of a game, including how and when information is revealed to you like a lot of people put a lot of time and effort into trying to craft a like nice experience for that and this just like undercuts all of that it's very sad
0: yeah um, it's yeah. um yeah it's kind of nuts uh and for a game of this size and importance oh, and the expectations yeah. riding on it like yeah i mean this is a potential game of the year uh, this is a game of the year contender outright
1: like i you know even before it's out, it'll be a lot of people's game of the year. So this is yeah. a huge shame to hear. I don't take any, pla- like it's better for more people to be able to play at the end of the day, but like for things to get leaked beforehand, I don't feel like that's very nice. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for the devs, you know, yeah, they deserve to have this like nice moment where everyone is enjoying their stuff.
0: Especially because they um, have managed to keep so much of the game secret yeah to a point that even they, though they have recently showed things we still don't exactly know what's going to be in the game um so yeah. if it, you are waiting to care
1: about the message yeah.
0: if you are waiting definitely be careful of your social media feeds uh so this is a cool little one uh, i wanted to throw out there the case of the golden Absolutely. idol the spider of lanka expansion is Mm. arriving very very soon uh actually it arrived yesterday what am i talking about this news story is old (laughs) um so yeah this game was super super cool i played through the whole thing i think i did it i did an initial stream on youtube so you could actually watch that on our channel just go to the past live streams um it's a detective game from a small team i think it was two developers in poland i want to say maybe somewhere in europe anyway um very very cool really moody really like just just really unique and it's great to see that it's getting a new expansion so it's a whole new case that takes place before the original cases in the um main game you do require the main game to play it it's about five bucks i think it's pretty cheap yeah 5.99 usd Yeah, yeah so and like yeah this game definitely deserves the support if you like things like um what was that one on the boat that uh lucas pope made um uh, Oberdin, Oberdin. if you like those sorts of detective games like that's kind of the space it's playing in um but also in a kind of choose your own adventure kind of you're dragging verbs and stuff across it's got a really old school vibe but yeah definitely think you should go check it out very cool game i will be checking it out um i w- got the opportunity to
1: watch um some content creators i enjoy finish this and not me obviously god the the first one i mean the the, the main um golden idol Uh Game That
0: is a really cool game. Like the narrative that they managed to weave through the mechanics that they have is... Yeah, that was my favorite part and kind of why I only streamed the first two cases because I kind of had read that all of them are slowly connected and basically each case is a moment in time that they don't tell you exactly what happened and it's up to you to deduce, oh, this is how we got here. Just after something huge has happened yeah. yeah and like you're kind of working out oh, okay this person's not here how are they involved in this overarching story and it's one of those things that games typically don't do very well but i love it when they can pull it off and it's what they don't tell you that is just mm. lingering in the air this game is a master of that um and it tells yeah. this almost like family story this disjointed story of a family and this cast of characters and their evolution into this weird cult um very very cool game like definitely add it to a sale i definitely think it's worth uh, supporting the developers
1: you remember like there was a a skit that a comedian did where they were like only games can punish you for not being smart enough like no other (laughs) media does it right like you know like you can't you, you don't read a book and then like you get to chapter 3 and then the book shuts itself and gives you a pop quiz on what happened in chapter 1 and 2 otherwise you don't get to continue um, yeah. but like Golden Idol Case of the Golden Idol is like 100% like you have to deduce a lot of what has happened otherwise yeah. you won't understand how to piece things together by the end if you do not have a like rough idea of what was going on through the scenarios you're not gonna understand the end of this <laughs> like, which is really cool I like games that like trusts its audience to follow along, yeah. even if it's not—it's not hugely complex, but it—it's still more than a lot of like AAA stuff will give you credit for, you know? Yeah, the for of sure. Tutorialization that happens. Yeah.
0: And I think it wasn't until the last sort of two cases where I'm like, oh, I really have to start thinking about it, and like, I, yes, I'll, I'll admit it—I brute forced a few things that I just couldn't work out because I'm not smart. Yeah, <laughs> but very, very uh, cool game. No, But I think that's fine, right? The game is, like, designed
1: so that you can brute force things because then you can look back and go, why is that statement true?
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's
1: why. Oh, I missed that
0: thing. Yeah. It
1: doesn't need you to figure things out from front to back. You can go from back to front, but you do need to get there. Yeah. Like, you do need to get the whole
0: picture in your head, which is cool. Yeah, super unique game. I definitely think it's worth checking out. And now there's some tasty new DLC. Uh, so I think we covered this. I can't remember. It might have been during the time. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, that we didn't get a show happening. But Jake Solomon, the lead designer behind the XCOM revival at Firaxis, he'd been there for about sixty years. Um, he announced that he is leaving after Midnight Suns, which was his last game at Firaxis. Um, and he's he left in February um and it's kind of like what's he going to work on next he recently did a bit of a chat with rock paper shotgun um and it was basically revealed that he's going to be switching out to do a life sim kind of game um what, at least that's that, where he's that's where he's interested. at the moment yeah yeah uh so development is to, hard yeah dev is hard i'm trying to find the quote but he's basically come out and just said that he is not going to be uh he's not going to be doing yes. tactics like he's he's done everything I, I think that much will do. always
1: be true no matter what yeah. the next thing ends up being it sounds like he's um he's walking away from the tactics field at the moment he even said something like he feels intimidated of going back because of how much like people would expect out of it now because he he is so tied to it which is very fair right
0: yeah yeah a hundred percent and this is here's a little bit of a a, a sort of quote of thinking here Um, yeah I think the best moments are the stories that are created Um, I love the scripted narrative of Midnight Suns but the best stories by far are the stories where they're created just by the systems that are in there uh simulations are all driven by system design as well it's a number of systems interacting in ways that are surprising and that can happen in our game as you said before XCOM is a great example of a bunch of systems there's so many systems that it would be hard to track them all as a player so you'll get surprised and say oh man i did not expect that to happen that's as dramatic as any scripted narrative anybody can write uh so yeah that's kind of he's talked in this interview I will link it in the show notes but basically talking about how each of these sort of interactions with XCOM and games of Pharaxis and Midnight Suns kind of stepped him towards like yeah how can I sort of employ some of these into a life sim game I don't think when he's saying life sim he necessarily means I'm gonna make the sims um, because I think that is a genre that's about to explode. We're seeing, you know, Paradox making their version of The Sims. I think there's, oh, why haven't we made that game that prints money and releases 20 expansions every month? Um, so I think that is um, a place that's going to explode. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. From
1: his initial... So this is very iffy because he doesn't have a game idea yet. He's going off to explore a space. Yeah. Um but from the interview, it sounds like when he says life sim, he's literally talking about a game system that allows you to control life. Mm-hmm. Um, think Spore. Yeah, yeah. Like he actually yeah, like, totally. gives a, a, an example of like he 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 has thought about like how you put horns on a duck, but he can't figure out why you would put horns on a duck. You know that kind of thing. Um, so that's what he's initially talking about here but again that's that's not indicative of what he's going to end up doing at all because he's ex- very explicit in saying that he doesn't know yet where his exploration is going to take him mm. basically yeah um, which is really cool I think that that statement you read is something that I always like um, I don't have a very high opinion of Ubisoft games for the most part but like I remember when like Far Cry was coming out they like talked a lot about this of like emergent like, behavior where game systems just interact with game systems. And I think Uh that the the Ubisoft games don't actually do them very well. They they give you stupidity happening in the background. Not exactly moments. Um, Which I think is much more of what, like, um, Solomon is going for here. Of just, he wants you to be able to have these, like, organic moments that form a narrative connection in your mind. Which is really cool. Um, We'll see where he ends up that's a lofty design goal
0: that is a lot uh, he also cites angle. like
1: minecraft as a big like inspiration for for a lot of this like direction yeah which makes yeah. sense right like you have this like systems heavy game
0: i um, i did talk about it on the show like xcom i played through it this year one of my favorites um in recent times i got to it a little late um but yeah pretty keen i even liked what i played of midnight suns despite the life sim aspect of it um the actual combat and tactic side was really cool so yeah very interested to see what uh, jake can do somewhere else doing his own thing um yep. blue let's talk about street fighter so there's a big one yeah there's a bit of a thing um uh, you know street fighter 6 pros who tried to play the beta outside of the designated beta period may be banned as it's considered a violation of the terms of service and can be seen as a violation of our code of conduct, Blue, take it away. Share us your thoughts. Tell us if this is uh, if you're on the right side of history here. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: I I haven't like I have not touched Street Fighter VI at all. I have avoided any footage of Street Fighter VI. In fact, because like we are in the market hype cycle, as it is slated to launch June, very very soon. Um, I'm actually avoiding all of my favorite content creators, um, uh, like new footage, exclusive stuff, because I want to just go in fresh. Like, um, but this has been a long-standing problem, ish. So, uh, Street Fighter Six has undergone a few beta periods, and almost all of them have been cracked. Uh, I remember back last year in November slash December. I was in Australia and there was a, a beta period and like some people had gotten hold of I just remember like being in a very cozy bed uh, <laughs> uh, as opposed to you know being in Malaysia where it's not very cozy. Um, when I when I heard about this and it's just that people are able to get the beta builds that are uploaded to Steam and stuff like that and just crack them so you can play them whenever. Because I don't think that would be, like, too hard to work it back if you can decompile it and, like, just change when the access point is, right? So that has continued to be a thing. And there's been a lot of grumbling in the community about, like, oh, it's not fair if a pro gets extra time to play with a game that is coming out, right? That is not out yet. And then there's going to be money on the line. And there's going to be a lot of money on the line because the pro tour for this year has already promised a million dollars, a million U.S. dollars. So... Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? That, to me, that's very fair, a very fair thing to be, to grumble about. Right. Yeah. Um,
0: I, I guess like, I think, you know, if you're cracking a beta and keep playing after it doesn't exist, that is an unfair advantage. Um, like I totally get that. And when there's this much money and, and everything on the table, like, I think that's the only thing that's the big thing is that it has money on the table yeah if there's no money on the table and this is just your local tournament where you're just playing with mates yeah who who cares cares? yeah who cares um but when Um, you're playing for a million bucks like that's a totally different story or you're playing even for the right to compete on a world stage somewhere else you know like that is a stake that you know is um yeah important important to uh acknowledge right an
1: extra 10 to 100 hours let's say right if within the first few weeks of launch if you go to competitive events that will make a huge difference you will just be that much more comfortable with the game i do feel though that by the time the pro tour concludes which is at the end of the year at least Mm -hmm. this amount of time won't be won't be relevant yeah. I don't, I don't I don't I don't care how much you know lifed the beta which isn't even the final release build, right? Um, it won't that won't matter that much by the time the finals come around. So, I don't know. There is that aspect of it. There's another aspect of it where um it's not like so yeah, obviously Capcom cares now because they're fronting the money to make a, a, a like an attractive pro tour, right? But Before Capcom had their Pro Tour, there's already a competitive scene, and the competitive scene has always been unfair because previous Street Fighters have come out in arcades months before they come out on any console or PC, and they always hit Japanese arcades months before they hit Western arcades. Mm -hmm. Like, Street Fighter traditionally, a lot of Japanese games traditionally, Japanese players are... And you can tell they are much more, like, advantaged by their time in the arcades because they come into a console release of a game six months, you know, like, six months strong. Mm -hmm. And that actually has been a, like, very hard advantage to overturn. And we're talking, this is a long time ago, we're talking, like, ten years ago, right? So, yeah, that's, that's already been a thing. And it already has affected competitive outcomes. So, yes, this is a very fair thing. If they can prove that you have, like, violated their the beta period, cool. <laughs> Ban you from the CPT. But, again, other than that, I don't know. I, I don't super care.
0: I think, for me, it's you- <laughs> it's kind of... I'm imagining, you know, Billy Mitchell... Like, breaking into your garage to film you playing the beta. Like, that's the kind of, of bullshit I'm well, saying that's what around they this. Mean. Like, yeah. How are they going viol- to prove this? Like, if anything, yeah, I think they're just saying is- it to um, deter, right? Yeah. Like, don't they, you do they, it. They don't really all is- know if you did it. But they actually won't.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know that they have devised a way to do it.
0: Yeah. But there we go all right well that's the end of the news block and and what a lot of news it has been we're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back to talk about the games we'll be playing so stick around come back and now it's time to jump into the back half of the show and talk about the games we've been playing uh i'm gonna kick it off because i've played nothing i've played nothing for two weeks i have nothing to really talk about except for an hour of redfall and an hour of uh that new star wars game uh, jedi, jedi survivor, survivor. yeah jedi yeah. survivor um mm. here's what i'll say jedi survivor super cool has a lot of stuttering issues um but wasn't as bad as some of the reviews i've seen out there um definitely i uh, think there's, i think it's a sliding scale i think some people are getting scale. really
1: bad experiences yeah 100 that is very unfortunate yeah
0: i'm on windows 11 though so maybe that's why because i released that statement of if you have high-end hardware and you're not on windows 11 that's why the game doesn't work which okay <laughs> <laughs> all right not exactly an excuse but like yeah, yeah. but maybe maybe that's why like i maybe I've, yeah for the first probably 20 minutes of my hour hour and a half of game time there was some issues um but once again nothing that was impossible to deal with and then uh it's been smooth sailing after that um and then they have released a patch while it's away so maybe it's better now um but i really liked what i played of it it seems like more of the same but a little bit more refined but haven't played enough to have a real i I was
1: gonna say it was already such a refined experience yeah Um, um first one i don't remember the name anymore
0: but yeah yeah uh jedi survivor is the new one fallen Fallen order jedi fallen order that's the one um and then i played about an hour of redfall um and i am not ready to really comment on whether where it sits in the pantheon of greatness um or badness um unlike the rest of the internet who's just seems determined to hate the game before it even came out um but what i will say is it feels less of an arcane game and that's good because i don't typically like arcane games so maybe i will enjoy it um but yeah i don't know i'm gonna say it here on the podcast of strong arm blue but blue and i might check it out together a little bit um and and see because i need to write something up for our friends over at impulse gamer anyway um but yeah that's kind of it i honestly just haven't had any time so blue tell us what you how'd your raid go your little your little 68 person raid or whatever it was 48. in final fantasy 48 i was close yeah had, yeah how'd it go tell me about yeah, it regale both. me with the stories that's fun i like i like
1: doing content where like people are expected to know what they're doing in in mmos I and you can you just remind everyone
0: uh, what what we're talking about here
1: yes so uh i signed up to a raid called delabrum Regine savage which is not current content, I wanna stress that. I don't feel up to doing current content because there, there's something in the MMO space that we call um, raid mentality, like raid brain, where everyone is like competitive and looking at stats and gear, and because you're barely able to make it a lot of time. So it's they're not wrong to do it. But when you do older content, gear isn't the limiting factor, it's skill.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and I think that's fun. I think skill being a vector is fun. Uh, gear being a vector is why I don't like a lot of the division slash what I think Redfall might be. Uh huh.
0: You know what yeah. I mean? I guess we'll um, find out. Because yeah, I I we'll literally find had out. A I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll
1: see. So yeah, I I, I signed up for a Deliberum Regine Savage um group, a prog group it's called, uh, with the goal of making progress through it. This was a group designed just to get us through Bosses 1 and 2. Um, I learned later from after the previous podcast that it generally takes a fresh progression group about four sessions under guidance to get through it. So we are two sessions in right now, mm-hmm. and we've beaten the first two bosses like pretty consistently. And we're yeah. learning the third one now. Um, so yeah, it's been very, very interesting. Um, I really like it it's a it's a fun raid it's a raid where if you get hit three or two times depending on how far you are into the raid by a mechanic you should have been able to dodge you're just dead it doesn't matter if you still if you got healed out you're just dead and i i love that i think that's really fun and i'm i'm not good i want to be very clear here i'm not good at this and i'm learning a lot but i really enjoy the process of learning i really enjoy the process of learning in every game that i play so that's been fun um these games also... These, these, um, these specific types of raids also have a, like, really interesting limitation. When you play main content, um, like, main game content... So, like, the game has a number of raids that are, like, the normal 24-man or even 8-man raids, right? Um, mm-hmm. When you play those, if you fall down, if you die, a healer can just pick you back up again. Um, this is, like, extra content raids. And this one has a special rule of the normal Resurrect spells don't work. Oh, cool. <laughs> if you die, there is a there is a buff you can have on yourself that has a 70% chance to proc when you die. And then you just mm-hmm. get back up again. And then just walk it off, basically. But if that doesn't happen, only healers have a special like skill that they can use that has, I think, a 15% chance of getting you back up on your feet. Oh, damn. Healers I'm playing a healer. Healers <laughs> okay. like frantically spamming this in the middle of dodging mechanics to try and get a DPS back up on their feet. Uh, like a fifteen percent chance to get them back up on their feet is like <laughs> very hectic of just like please get up, please get up. Yeah, and yeah. You,
0: you've been sweating, right?
1: <laughs> the, yeah, and you can only bring a number of these into the uh, into the instance with you. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it's hard. It, it's hard content. It's not impossible. It is very far from impossible. Um, the shot callers, the people who run these all the time, they've like distilled this down to as much of a science as possible to tell people where to stand, when to stand. There's like very smart way marking and the thing. It's such a cool. Um, it's such a cool thing to see. The whole like everyone has a part to play thing right as you're learning and being like i can start to read these mechanics myself without someone telling me what to do but please someone keep telling me what to do so that i can turn my brain off and focus on trying to pick this person up off the ground
0: yeah really enjoyable experience here's here's something i would personally be very interested in and i think that maybe you could do a a feature about it or a a written interview but like learning from one of these shock callers, right? The ones that you say that are, like, learned it to a science. Like, what was that process? And what do they get out of running the same things over and over? And, like, what's the satisfaction of that? Like, yeah. You, I think that's interesting to me because when you're saying, like, I need to know, I I could do this, but having someone there to just tell me what to do, turn off and I could focus, like, yeah. That's not how I like to interact with games. Like, I like to discover things and fail, right? Um, yeah but I'm interested in what drives this person because I think you are similar to these people. Like you love to teach and show and like yeah. a thing that we've been kicking, well, you've been kicking around and we're still trying to work out is how do we do like a digital tourism sort of thing through games? Like that's your yes. jam, right? So I think it'd be a very yeah, interesting feature yeah, yeah. for you to sit with someone and, and do this kind of thing. Um, cause yeah, I, I would totally read the shit out of that. Um, but every time we talk about Final Fantasy, like, the MMO, I'm like, yes, this sounds so good. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, I've never done a, Like, I played quite a bit of WoW and I never did a... a Like, I did a dungeon, but I never did a raid. Like, I've never done a raid. Um, mm-hmm. And then like final fantasy i've always heard such good things like i know that it's like this great game and you can get the level cap for free and all that sort of stuff like and i'm so close to always doing it and and i yeah critically acclaimed like you know the whole spiel and like i signed up and i really love what i played of it every time i play it too i really love my time with it but it's just like all that stuff like over here is so out of reach like i can't get there with my time schedule i can't get there with my attention span and like this podcast no, no. and this show doesn't exist it becomes a final fantasy weekly chat um because we're not playing anything else right um so that's at least yeah. that's the excuse i'm telling myself is like you can't do it otherwise there could be no podcast there could be no I, pixel's of breakfast anymore you know
1: i actually agree with you yeah. it is a commitment it is a time commitment i again i said it, i said it before I, i'll say it again i would not have been able to do it unless i literally wasn't working for a while yeah um, and now I'm now that I'm at a level where I'm comfortable, where I don't feel like I need to like dedicate as much time to it. I can just log on and do a few things, like treat it more like a game. But if yeah. you're trying to catch up with content, it is such a job.
0: Yeah, it's a like, job. It, it takes a job amount of time. The amount of time, um, like I get maybe an hour or two a day on average for games. Usually, it's closer to the hour, right? And then yep. it's like, okay, I can play something that I want to play on my backlog and or I'm enjoying or I'm going to play that new thing so I can make a piece of content. And nine times out of 10, the new thing to make a piece of content wins out. So to think about, yeah. okay, how can I just play like a game, like 12 years of content um, and play other games in the limited time I have, just it's it's impossible and it makes it me sad. It's not feasible. I, it yeah, final thing. Every game has a
1: niche, and the, ni- the niche of Final Fantasy is actually the people who have the time for it. And yeah. it's just, that's the reality of it. And most people don't fit in that niche. I don't know how it has such a huge player base, to be completely honest. Yeah. I, I guess um, I guess a lot of people don't play a lot of games, right? They're not like us, where we like want to play a wide variety of games. And yeah. so it makes sense. Yeah. But, no, I completely agree with you. It's not. I don't think that it makes sense for you to pursue. It's a waste of time. I don't want to say it's a waste, but it's a waste of your time. Yeah. You will get a lot more out of the experiences that you get from not playing Final Fantasy.
0: Yeah. But I, I love hearing um, about it, so please continue on this quest for both of us. And um yeah, let's We'll see how we go. At the end of it, you get a doggo mount, and uh... Oh is it a
1: Shiva? It is not. Oh, well, it, um don't it care. Is a, is it a Beagle? <laughs> uh, okay. it's a Cerberus. Alright,
0: alright.
1: It's a very cute Cerberus because so you know how a Cerberus has three heads? Yeah. This is a four man mount. So you ride <laughs> on the back and then like three other people can ride on one of the heads. That's
0: pretty cool. Okay. I'm back on board. Yeah. I'm into that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh um, and yeah. Outside t- of Final Fantasy, uh, the other thing I have been playing is a bunch of um, limited uh, March of the Machine for Magic. The Pinkertons I, didn't come to you, right? You're all good? I play on Arena. <laughs> they don't <Okay>. care. <laughs> I, I've, I've already given them my money. Yeah. Arena's already busted and it's not my fault. Yeah. Um, I was really bad. At, so there are two limited formats that are that that dominate the space and that you can get on Arena Um, One is called Sealed. Sealed is where you get six packs, you open them, and then you just have to make a deck of 40 cards out of them, Mm -hmm. uh, out of that six packs. It's very simple and straightforward. You get a lot of time to think, and you get to do some deck building. Um, I really wanted to do, like, good Sealed. I did a Sealed of a few sets ago, and I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I tried, like, three runs of Sealed. Uh, I went zero and three. Damn. Like you can play a sealed deck until you lose three times. I uh-huh. lost three times straight up, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm bad at this format." Like you can be like good at some sets and other sets, and bad good at some formats and other formats. I'm very bad at sealed March of the Machine, apparently. Uh huh. So I went. Ah, well, I'm not getting any luck there. I'll do draft. And draft is different. Draft is you get three packs. You open one at a time. You look at all the cards in one pack. You pick one, and then you pass the rest of the cards to the next person. And then you do that like one card at a time for all three packs, right? Mm -hmm. So it means that you get to look at a much wider variety of uh, cards, and you get to like narrow your deck down into a theme a a bit more consistently. Sorry, you'll more consistently find one thing for your deck to do, but the one thing might be very different between drafts, right? And immediately I went seven and th- seven and two, which means I fully like won seven games and then yeah. completed the draft. And then six and three. So I'm much better drafter than sealed player in March of the Machine, apparently. Yeah, right. right. So But it's a it's, it's a really fun format. So
0: that like like, like how, the
1: mechanics are,
0: are really Are cool. you buying into that? Like how does that work on it? Like I know how that works when you're sitting yes. around the table with friends, but how does that yes, work on a yes. Arena? yes, yes.
1: There are a couple of options. Um, you have to buy into sealed, uh-huh. like it. It costs the in-game currency that costs money to get. Yep. To play sealed, uh, and and you can accrue that very slowly over months to get like probably one sealed pool. Um, but yeah, no, you're expected to to use money for that. Draft is a bit more free. You can use um, the like. when you you do daily quests you get gold Uh um you can use a a large amount of gold to play a draft um or you can use real life money as well uh i paid every now and then i will like log in and put in like 50 bucks that's normally once an expansion this was two years ago that i used to do this once an expansion i would put Mm -hmm. in 50 us dollars uh, I haven't since I stopped a couple of years ago and I've come back like periodically and I'm just using the residual off of that basically because yeah. I haven't bought a huge amount of packs because I have not enjoyed Constructed like I which is a shame I love building decks but like Constructed Magic when people are playing to win is miserable Um, I think that children's cardboard games are fun when you play it to, play, to have fun yeah uh, and if you want to play it to win that's fine but like that's what like pro tours and circuits are for. And like when that's the general like way you play, it's not fun.
0: Yeah, no, I think no. that's that's my problem with most card games in general, and why I think that um, who you play with makes a big determining factor on your enjoyment. Yeah. 100 um, yeah, percent. Yeah. And why I dislike metas and, and net decking um, in general because i'm speaking just from netrunner here but it's the same 12 decks that people play and like ah, oh, yep. you're playing that corp with that id i know exactly what your game plan's going to be yeah um and that's like i play shaper which is not very popular and i play like the least popular um id um just because that's the old netrunner guard of what i used to play back in the day And it's kind of interesting because, like, what are you doing? How did that even? What's that? I'm like, yeah, exactly. Because no one plays these cards, and you like, I don't know. It's just more fun. I'd rather make a weird, fun deck that only wins twenty five percent of the time, but I enjoy it when it happens. Than just I copy this off the internet and it's just min maxing everything, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Uh, this like goes back to. I think it was Mark Rosewater's taxonomy of players. Like he made it up kind of not as a joke, but as a like as a as a tool for designers in house to like think about what of a card appeals to what kind of player. And they are the uh, the the spikes who care about winning and like winning you know, just being the most efficient at winning. The Timmies who just want a big thing to happen. The Timmies are happy if they can get a big creature down. And then the Johnnies, who are like, oh, and then this happens, and this happens, and this happens, and they just want to make a Rube Goldberg out of every game that they have, right? Yeah. Um, so this was just a like a design tool that they had in-house for, like, who's your card really appealing to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of caught on in, in the, like, the discussion space of when people talk about like taxonomy of players because people really like taxonomy of players right so like those archetypes and yeah it's it's perfectly fine to have spikes it's perfectly fine to be a spike there's nothing wrong with that but like spikes will probably have most fun against other spikes right yeah um i'm a bit more of a johnny kind of player where i like to see stupid things that cards can do when you interact with each other um and that's like yeah you just have to understand like who you are who you're playing with as well um and that matters have you heard of that that distinction that taxonomy before
0: yeah I have I have once yeah. yeah
1: I really like it I think it's, it's like it's it's a very cute way of just being like yeah. you definitely you, are Johnny
0: like 100% yes. a hundred percent of Johnny
1: yes yes <laughs> I I I I uh, <laughs> oh, I super <laughs> bro that's so me. Oh. nobody likes Johnny's. he said oh, I'm sorry um I definitely have, like, Timmy moments as well of just, like, I want to play the big, stupid dinosaur. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) I think there's also, like, a distinction, Um, right, where, like, I'm not good at deck building. I'm not good at theory crafting to build a deck, but I'm pretty good mm -hmm. at piloting and making decisions. And I think that's Mm. kind of interesting, too, as an element of I'd like to see some games play with. Um, I don't know how or what that would be, um but yeah it's yeah an interesting thing of i don't have the smarts or maybe it's just i don't have the time to really sit down and like the thing is i don't want to spend seven hours building a deck right i want to go and play the game once a week right and um whereas i love that like i have often told people that i try to pull in the card games like let's let's look at your deck let's
1: like like think about like what we can do about it um mtga for all of its flaws magic the gathering arena has a lot of problems but one of the stuff one of the things that it does have is a variety of events that it has running at any given time and some of the events just have pre-constructed decks that you just have to go in and pick one yeah and then just pilot it and i like that's really fun like i played one recently just because like the offer was like some rare cards and you could join it for free Mm -hmm. so i just joined it i picked a deck that like looked cool and damn that deck was very fun you know they don't they don't track win losses in that they, well, they track wins, they don't track losses, so you can just keep playing those forever if you feel like it. That's, yeah, I think that kind of stuff is cool, and I think that kind of stuff will work for you, right? Because you can just go in and pick a deck and then just play it.
0: They did release that, that Cyberpunk set. They Kamigawa? Do that. Yeah, they did do that. That's a little Netrunner-ish. I could yeah, maybe, uh, I could maybe I... download this again. Neon Dynasty Kamigawa.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, Kamigawa as a place got messed up in march of the machine oh no oh no i'm out i'm out <laughs> every every place got messed up in march of the machine it's the avengers endgame event
0: uh, um yeah, yeah right
1: so recently and i mean like in the past few years there is another term that they throw around in terms of player archetype for mm-hmm. magic um they're called vorthos vorthos are player who players who care about the
0: lore <laughs> ah right that's the that's I the am, reason why i don't like magic is i hate the law yeah i am a bit of a bore, though i
1: i have been known to like sit down with a friend for like three hours and just talk about the stuff that's happened in the sets yeah and like uh catch them up and summarize for them i like it i like it. i like a lot of aspects of magic um so yeah that's that's what i've been playing recently, i'm hovering um, over
0: year. the play free button and i'll consider it after we finish this stream
1: Yes. Not to discourage you, I would love more opportunity to play with you, or even like play alongside you. I think like co-op playing Magic is really fun.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe we could do a, maybe we could your do a stream. Kind of card game though. I. I no, I no don't. offense. Like, I, 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 yeah, I like because um, you don't react to the because I know what people. Uh, sorry, I know what to look out for in terms of like oh when, when players light up when they see a certain thing happen. You don't do that for anything in Magic no that, not that really. normally players do like, so i like
0: i don't magic is like i used to play like a play netrunner still i used to play there's warhammer 40k conquest game that i really really liked a lot Mm. I used to play the Game of Thrones Fantasy Flight card game. I even played the Legend of the Five Rings pretty heavily when that re-release came out from Fantasy Flight. All of them tick my boxes. Something about magic. I don't know what it is. I really cannot articulate what it is because it's more than just I don't like dragons and wizards and stuff. Like, it's more mm. than that. That is a massive component of it's No, it's, it's a it.
1: mechanical thing. Yeah, it's a mechanical yeah. thing, though. There's something about the mechanics that don't grab you. Maybe what it is, maybe... Maybe the player archetypes will help us here. Maybe you're more of a Timmy player, and Magic's design has been moving away from that. So maybe we can go into that with that in mind. We can see if, like, a more Timmy approach to the game works
0: for you. I think it's the life meter, honestly. Because all the other games that I've played aren't about ticking down someone's life meter. It's, like, Netrunner is winning agendas. And it's stealing things yep. from other players, or it's blocking <laughs> people from stealing. Like, that's the mechanic there. Um, 40k conquest was kind of a bit Marvel snappish, where it's like, how can I move my characters to a different planet and claim it? Because you were claiming planets. Like, it's not necessarily about just killing the other people's cards. Um, and I actually don't think maybe Legend of the Five Rings, you could it's been forever since i play that one but like most of the card games i have, have had multiple ways to win and they're very rarely based around just tick someone's life counter down okay so we have two options we
1: can see if you you respond more to timmy because you might i i there, there's a chance you might uh-huh. there are alternate win conditions in magic <laughs> uh-huh
0: okay like, yeah. as in like
1: there are just cards that say do this and then you win the game uh-huh. and they're not normally just a surprise like they're normally like the opponent can play around it so like there isn't there is a game uh-huh. involved so we can see if you you respond to any of those
0: yeah because yeah i think that's the that's ultimately i like winning on the way that the person didn't prepare for or think about i like so they you think i going down one so way. much a
1: johnny that you've gone past my level of johnny is what you're saying <laughs> i am the worst johnny is that no, what you're going? not. Like,
0: uh, johnny's are
1: great. They're, they're, they're. So the epitome of a Johnny is a person who spends like 30 minutes like talking through their turn and doing everything in their turn, and then nothing has changed
0: by the end of it. <laughs> right? Like, I love that kind of stuff. So like a math macrobat- uh, community pulls out the Excel spreadsheet, runs the numbers. <laughs> awesome. There's a place for
1: that, right? Uh, anyway. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, I I and think that's that, been my TED talk. <laughs> yeah, I think that that wraps things up nicely in a bow. Uh so, yeah, a bit of housekeeping about stuff. Um so, we are going to be doing a Obelisk Roguelife when is the question because I have a press tour in Japan coming up for HyperX and then I'm going to DreamHack um and on that weekend and then I have another press tour for another client that I'm not allowed to say. So, i'm going to be out of the house quite a bit so maybe not this coming week um but we will be back with another podcast in two weeks as usual uh blue released a write-up about wild frost uh it's live on pixelsbreakfast.net you can go check that out I highly recommend reading it's a it fun game. very fun game i'm i really want to play that um I'm currently working on a Resident Evil piece that should be going up this week about Resident Evil 4 and Capcom's reverence for the series as a whole as I continue to remake it and reshape it. That will be going live sometime this week. Um, and then, yeah, we'll be back uh, with some other stuff and maybe we'll do some Redfall. Maybe. If I can convince some people. We'll, we'll see, might do yeah. A cheeky Redfall. Yeah, I think I- I'm going might be in, so... Um, <laughs> Cool. Uh yeah, so thanks for watching. Uh if you like what we do here and you want to see more videos and reviews, oh I am working on Against the Storm uh early access review that will be coming about yep. due to these press tours. I probably won't be able to edit the video until uh, a week or two from now. Um but if you want to support the the channel and everything, you can head over to uh co-fi.com, coffee.com forward slash pixels for breakfast. Uh and you can support us there with a one-off donation or you can do a monthly donation. Uh, You can join our Discord. If you're listening to this as a podcast, um, make sure that you give us a review. That actually does really help and it helps the algorithms boost us up a little bit. Um, And uh, anything else, Blue, that you want to say? I can't think of anything, so I will just say
1: take care of yourselves out there.
0: Yes, take care of yourselves. And as always, don't forget to pixelate your breakfast. We'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. I got tangled in my cable. That was a great way to end the video podcast. Bye. Bye.